0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I am your nine fingered host, Dan Johnson, and today we are mixing it up just a little bit. We're not going to be talking about bow hunting equipment or gear or anything like that. Um, last week I was laying in bed and I was getting kicked in the ribs by. Uh, my two-and-a-half-year-old, and on the other side of her was a teething seven-month-old, and I, it hit me. I I'm, I wanted to leave my family. Just kidding. What I was thinking about is you really don't ever hear the stories, you know, in some magazines you do, but you never hear the stories of a normal, every average, everyday bow hunter. And today, I'm going to try to do that. Today, I actually interviewed a guy named Levi. He lives in Illinois. He's a normal guy with a normal job. Um, quite frankly, he is a nobody in the hunting industry, which which I like. I love hearing normal, average, everyday guys talk about their hunting success. This year, Levi happened to... Happened to harvest his biggest most mature buck he's ever killed and uh we're getting ready to talk talk about it. Here's the story of a guy named Levi who lives in Illinois and who happened to kill his biggest buck of his life. All right, on the phone with me now is Levi Rosentretter. How are you doing today, Levi? I'm I'm good, Dan. How are you doing? Doing good, doing good. So, You were able to lay down a big buck this year. I was. So tell me what we're dealing with. Um, How old do you think he was? How what was the score? Um, well,
1: based on the history I have with him, sheds, trail camera pictures, I'm pretty much 100% positive he's a five and a half year old deer. Um, my taxidermist Green scored me. Green scored 168 and seven eighths inches.
0: Is that gross or net? gross gross yeah yeah i don't care about that (laughs) we don't (laughs) we don't (laughs) care about nets right now before we jump into the story of of the buck that you harvested this year let's get a little background on who you are what you do um where you you know what state you live and and kind of go from there
1: okay um well i hunt in illinois live in illinois have my whole life um west central illinois about Mm, hour and 15 minutes from Pike County. Everyone knows what Pike County is. Um, I'm 31 years old, grew up, worked on a farm up until I went to college. Um, After college, I went to school for criminal justice, uh, got out of college, got a job as a police officer, worked as a police officer for five years until last year I started uh, as a correctional officer at a prison here in Illinois and hunting has always been my number one passion especially deer hunting
0: now did you change jobs because you get more time to hunt as a correctional officer
1: well funny you ask that actually i get less time but no i changed jobs just because it was better for me um my old job i was working midnight so i got i had all kinds of time to hunt um and actually Change of jobs kind of plays into the story. Uh, last year, because of the job change, I was at the academy during the entire rut last year, so I didn't get to do hardly any hunting at all last year. Oh, so I was pretty excited this year to get back out in the woods.
0: Now, here's an important question. Do you have a wife or a girlfriend? I have a girlfriend. Okay. So about she- three years now. Is she cool with you uh does she know really know that you're obsessed with whitetails? Oh, she knows. Uh,
1: <laughs> in fact one of her friends came over to the house one one time and first thing she said, she looked around and said, like, You live in you live in a man's house. She's like, There's just deer heads and antlers everywhere. <laughs> I can't even tell a female lives here. But no, she's she's really cool about it. Uh actually she started going shed hunting with me last year and she's hooked on that now so i'm pretty
0: lucky she lets me hunt pretty much whenever i want cool cool no kids nope no kids you lucky sob i tell you what you you have a (laughs) you have a couple kids and we'll have another conversation yeah i'm sure things will change a little bit anyway let's get into this story so this buck you killed this year when was the first, the very first time you ever got a shed from him or trail camera pictures or laid eyes on him?
1: Okay. Well,
0: it's
1: it's kind of funny how all the history I have with this bug, it took me a while before I put it all together. You know, um, I actually got my first trail camera picture of him in 2012 and he was a two and a half year old Ben. Um, but I didn't, even realize that until actually after I harvested the buck and went through some old trail camera pictures and ended up finding it. Um, so that was kind of cool. I found his, well, I take that back 2013 then. He would have been a three and a half year old. Um, I passed, passed him in 2013. It was in November and I was hunting one of my favorite spots and uh, it was actually an all-day sit, which I don't do a lot of them, but you know, that time of year, I figure, why not? So I was sitting out there all day. Hadn't seen a single deer all day, and I mean, it was probably ten minutes left of daylight, and I saw, saw part of a rat coming through the brush, so I grabbed my bow and got ready, because I couldn't tell if he was a shooter or not, um, and he got into the opening, and I could tell he was a younger deer, not really what I was looking for. I tried to harvest mature deer on the property so I just let him go and I was hoping I'd get another encounter with him in the future because he looked like he had some good potential and I told that story to one of my buddies who hunts with me occasionally and he said that he thinks he's seen the same deer I described it to him he thought he'd seen the same deer a couple of weeks earlier while he was hunting so so,
0: so we had a little in, bit of in 2013 he is he said he's a three-year-old Describe his rack he as a three-year-old. He was just a
1: foot – looked like just a foot ten-pointer. Um, his G4s kind of crab claw that kind of went forward. The G4s, they were, they were probably five inches long that year. Um, I would say he was probably a 135-inch ten-pointer. I mean, he, he had good time length. He wasn't real wide. Um, he was probably only 15, 16 inches wide, but I mean, you know, you can look at a deer's rack and he definitely had potential.
0: Gotcha. So, so, so 2013, you had an encounter with him in the, in, with, with him in the stand. What happened next?
1: Okay. That was the only encounter with him I
0: had in 2013. Um. And it, any, trail you know, reason, pictures, uh, any trail camera pictures? Any trail camera pictures of him on 2013?
1: I was thinking about that, and see the property I hunt, it's kind of like a bunch of small properties, so you kind of pick and choose, you know, which one you want to hunt on. Or so this particular little section, for some reason, I guess this year or in 2013, I didn't run any trail cameras on that property. So I went through all my old trail camera pictures. I couldn't find any pictures of them in 2013. Um, So then, I guess that takes us to shed season in 2014. And it was my very first time going out, you know, towards the end of February. I don't remember the exact date, but I was walking this ditch that's probably two to three hundred yards from where I had had the encounter with him. And, and no sooner than I walked in the timber, I looked up and 20 yards in front of me, there lay like, hey, his shed. So. I found a shed in 2014. I looked and looked
0: for his other one. I couldn't find his other one. So, so, so okay. So, 2013 comes comes to an end. You find one of his sheds. Now, going into the 2014 season, um, what I guess are, is the property that you're hunting private? Is it public?
1: It's all private. All private. It's basically, farm ground with. Timber. Timber. Any food plots? Yep. Uh, I got one food plot, probably an acre and a half, but it's, like I said, on another section that I hunt down my mom and dad's house. So it's not close to where, well, I mean, it's close. It's probably a mile and a half, but it's a separate little piece
0: of property. Gotcha. So when did you so start? Where this
1: buck was at. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Where this buck was at, there there was no food plots, but there's ag fields all
0: over the area where he's at. Gotcha. Now, what what specifically about this property made like what do you think was the reason why he was sticking around this? Was there any terrain features or anything like that that he was kind of where he felt okay, safe? Okay, where he
1: was at. Where he was at. Okay, the best way to describe the property um, picture: the timber is like in the shape of a horseshoe. Okay. Um, now, in the middle of horseshoe is an ag field. And then on both of the outside sides of the timber are also added fields. But then more like the bottom of the horseshoe would be is a lake. So he's got plenty of food. He's got good cover. And he's got water all within 50 to 100 yards. So, I mean, he really has no reason to leave.
0: Gotcha. So going into the 2014 uh, season kind of explained. Were you running trail cameras during the summer? Did you get any velvet pics of him? Um,
1: in 2014, okay, I went into the year, and honestly, the shed I found off him at this point, it was just a shed, okay, because I I had the encounter with him that year, and I had the trail cam picture the year before, which I hadn't put two and two together yet, but I knew he was a good bug had potential i didn't know if he'd stick around or not so i really wasn't going after him in 2014 um you know is one of the things i was just hoping hoping maybe i'd see him but i wasn't really counting on it um i ran trail cameras in the summer uh didn't get any pictures of him. Uh, and then actually right before uh both even started in august I got a phone call uh, about this job, which I accepted. And the first thing they told me was the academy starts November 3rd. Oh. But he still want the job. And I can honestly say I almost turned it down. But, <laughs> no, I took the job knowing that basically I was giving up my dear season last year. Um, and I just decided, you know, it was – it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do as a hunter, but I just told myself, you know, it's unfortunate from a hunting standpoint, but I'm going to try to use it to my advantage. So I decided I'm just going to completely stay out of all my hunting areas, completely right off 2014 deer season. I'm not going to run trail cameras. I'm not going to put any pressure on the property at all and see if that makes a difference in 2015. And I was hoping you know, I'd see the results of that, you know, in 2015, so,
0: there is, 2014, there's no way I could do that, I, you're a much, you're a much stronger man than me,
1: you know, I mean, it's one of them things, I could have gone out on the weekends, whenever I got home from the academy, but, you know, I hadn't been doing any scouting. I didn't know where, the, it would just been blind luck if I did happen to
0: get a deer within range, you know, so,
1: it was hard. I mean, it was very
0: hard. Well, okay, so 2014 complete write-off, but you, yep. fa- but you found one of his sheds.
1: Well, that's kind of a funny story. Okay, so it was February, and it was early. It, it caught me off guard. It was February, probably like the first or second week of February. And I usually don't start shed hunting until closer to the end of February, beginning of March. Well, my dad calls me. And he said, Hey hey Levi, have you started shed hunting yet? I was like, No, you know, I'm gonna give it a couple more weeks. Let a few more let, let a few more of 'em drop before I go out. I was like, Why? He's like, Well, I just uh ran over a nice shed with the Ranger. <laughs> I was like, really? I was like, Where at? And then he told me where I was at and it turned out it was actually real close to where I had the encounters and everything with this bug. So I was like, all right, I'll come over and take a look at it. Now, my dad, he don't – I mean, he goes on gun, gun hunts once in a while, but he's not a big deer hunter. So, you know, he said he ran over a nice shed. You know, I'm not sure what he considers nice. So I was like, I'll take a look at it. So I went over there, and sure enough, I pull up, and he's holding up his shed, and I was like, holy cow. I was like, that's a nice bug. And he's probably – Oh, I'd say just looking at his one shed, he probably would have been about 155 inches last year. Yeah. And at that point, I still, I wasn't even thinking about the shed I found the year before. But the more I looked at it, I was like, you know what? I I got a shed from last year that looks a lot like this. So, of course, I took the shed from him, which (laughs) he ain't getting it back. But (laughs) I took the shed. Took the shed, brought it home, compared it to the one I found the year before, and it was a dead
0: match. Same yeah. side, no question about it. I'm looking at the picture right now, and uh it is, it's, you can tell just by even glancing at it that I love that there's those, every year he's those had that, kicker. those kickers right off the uh, bottom of the main, be- or bottom of the base, and uh, right, yep. you know, those eye guards, and for those who are listening, um, if you go to the nine finger com and actually go to where I post this podcast, I'm going to post pictures of the, you know, all the sheds, his trophy pictures, the trail cam pictures from 2015, and you'll be able to get a visual of what this buck looks like. So you got the shed, you realized it was him. Now what? Well, at
1: this point I'm putting all the pieces together and I'm realizing, okay, I got, three years of history with this deer and he blew up from his three and a half year old year to his four and a half year year. I was like, I got to go after this deer because he's not leaving the area. And if he puts on anything this year, he's going to be an absolute giant. So he instantly became my number one hit list. buck. of course I didn't find his other shed from that year either I looked and looked and couldn't find it so I don't know where he was dropping his left side at but
0: I wasn't finding it all right Um, so before you go any further I want to know something you said he you know going into the 2015 season he was your number one hit list buck what other deer what other caliber of deer were on your property that year going into your 2015 season
1: I tell you what I every year I get Lots of pictures of good bucks. Um, probably, you know, I had a cu- I had one buck that I'd been after for a couple of years. He probably would have been, he was definitely over 170, but in three years I only had one daylight picture of him and no encounters. Gotcha. So I pretty much figured I wasn't going to kill that buck. You know, I had a lot, a lot of 140-inch deer, a few in the 150s, but – I mean, nothing, nothing that I had a real good pattern on, you know, I just get random trail camera pictures here and there, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you have any trail camera pictures of him in the summer of 2015 in Velvet? I
1: did not get a single picture of this deer. I started running trail cameras, oh, probably middle of July in the area. I didn't get my first picture of him until September 14th.
0: Gotcha. September 14th. So yep. do you think he was, he, he wasn't living in the area? Was he coming in from no. someplace else or was like this a, a different home range makes, for him? It,
1: it makes me wonder. I almost think that he might've been, you know, somewhere else during the summers and then he'd come onto this property, you know, in the fall and then shed his antlers. Um, because I never, you know, I never got any velvet footage of him. I never, uh, never got any velvet pictures of him. Actually, the first picture I got of him, he had just finished shedding his velvet, and he actually had a piece of velvet hanging.
0: Oh, nice. Um,
1: so it was almost like once he shed his velvet, he showed up, you know. And and once I got that first picture of him, I couldn't pull a card without getting Perfect. a dozen pictures of him.
0: He was everywhere. Nice. Nice. So, so, you know, you you realize he's on your property. Okay, Illinois starts October 1st, right? Yep. Yep. So, you got your trail camera pictures of him. You're looking forward to, uh, you know, October 1st. When was the first time of the 2015 season that you actually went in and tried to hunt this particular deer?
1: I don't remember exactly what date it was. It was the first cold front we got. I want to say it was right around 16th or 17th, yeah. somewhere in there. And even then, I I never pinpointed exactly where he was bedding, but I had a good idea from the trail camera pictures of the area that he was bedding. So my plan was just to kind of hunt, not push into his bedding area too far, just hunt off of his bedding area as far you know, as close as I could get, but still a safe distance. I was hoping maybe I'd catch him cruising through because I had daylight pictures of him. And long story short, I hunted him, I think, two days in a row during that cold front and never got a sighting of him.
0: Okay. So, so that was, that was somewhere that, around mid-October, right? Right. Right, okay. So at that point, I decided
1: – you know, I'm not going to take any chances with this buck. I'm not going to take a chance on busing out of the area. I had vacation coming up, starting the last couple of days of October, clear until the 14th of November. So I decided I was going to wait until my vacation started before I went in after him again.
0: Okay. And what so, what day was that? Um, I think
1: the first day that I went in there after him was
0: November 1st. November 1st, okay. Now, explain to me the tree stand setup that you had for this, I don't know, what what date did you kill him on? I killed him on November 8th. On November November 8th. November 8th. Okay, so November 1st, what is your strategy going in to try to kill this buck? Talk to me about how, you know, where your tree stands are at, a little bit about tree stand placement, you know, what the wind does on certain and, and try to paint a picture leading up until the the morning of the eighth. Okay. Uh,
1: Like I said earlier, earlier, the property, if you picture horseshoe, that's the best way to picture it. Okay. You got the timber is the horseshoe itself. There's a field in the middle, middle of it. And then along like the bottom of the horseshoe and around the horseshoe, is a lake so my strategy going in was to take a boat across the lake to enter my stands that way you know if he was out in the field he wouldn't know i was there and i only had 30 yards or so to walk once i got out of the boat to my stand so i was it was a pretty bulletproof access route you know as long as there weren't beer right around my stand when i got in okay um now the stand that i actually ended up killing the deer out of turn it was actually the same stand that i had the encounter with them in 2013 and the timber is probably only i would say 70 yards wide between the field and the lake so i mean it's just a natural funnel anyway so with a, uh, west wind, you know, the wind's blowing out across the lake. It's a good setup, you know, especially during the rut bucks cruising through the funnel. And, you know, that was my number one stand where I thought I could get a shot. I also had a couple stands, you know, around other parts of the field, but there's a little trickier getting into them. So that was my number one hope is that I would have some sort of west wind where I could hunt that stand. Um, my other thing that I was considering was, and this was hard for me because I, I've typically been a pretty aggressive deer hunter. Okay. If something, if something's not happening, I want to try to make it happen. You know, I, I do blind calling, you know, I jump around a lot, you know, I'm just, that's just kind of how I am, you know, and for some reason it just hit me, you know, you're not going to be able to do that with this deer, this deer is in the area you know he's not going anywhere he's moving during daylight he has for the last three years all you got to do is sit in your stand and wait for him to come by so i made sure i didn't do one bit of blind calling in this area i basically just got in my stand sat down and waited and that was i
0: mean that was my strategy just not to let the deer know that i was there and just hope that through his natural movement, you guys were going to have an encounter with each other.
1: I knew he was there. I mean, it, I figured it was only a matter of time.
0: Now, I, when you started hunting on, on November 1st, really hard for that buck, were you checking trail cameras while you were in there?
1: No. The last time I checked my trail camera was probably probably the last It's probably like October 23rd, 24th, somewhere around there. And at that point, if I was going in the area, I was going in to hunt. I wasn't messing around with any trail cameras. I had them running, but I wasn't checking them.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, you know, you just said you're going in, you're you're not going to do any calling. You're just going to basically wait for him to walk by. Describe this stand location that you're sitting in. When he finally does come by? Okay, it's
1: like I said, it's about 70 yards of timber um, between the field and the lake. Okay, there's a point on the lake, and that's, and my stand is probably 20 yards up into the timber off that point. And the way the timber juts out, it kind of makes like an inside corner of the field, which is a 30 yard shot from my stand. I have a 20 yard shot to the water itself and i can almost almost shoot all of the timber in front of me so i mean i pretty well got got the whole area covered if he comes through
0: okay so you're sitting there you're in your stand um were you seeing a lot of other deer movement that that morning or or while you're actually or is there a lot of other deer in the area working through this were, you seeing, well, you, were what, you seeing chasing? Were you like what were you seeing? I thought it was
1: kinda of funny 'cause you know, I was checking. I was running my trail cameras in the area and that was the only mature buck that I had on trail camera in that entire area. So I don't know if he was running other bucks off, which I'm assuming that's what was happening. Because I actually got some pictures of him uh doing a little sparring with a couple bucks. But while I was hunting there you know, I've seen several does. Um, I've seen a couple of small bucks chasing. I think the biggest one that I've seen was probably mid-130s. But I wasn't seeing a whole lot. It wasn't hot and heavy yet. Yeah.
0: Okay. So you're in the perfect stand. You feel the perfect stand. You're quiet. Before Before we talk about... The actual morning that you had the encounter with him, what's your scent? Re- what's your scent regimen like?
1: Okay, I put all my clothes in, you know, a tote. I wash them, you know, every few days whenever I feel like I need to. Um, take my tote in the back of my truck. I don't wear my hunting clothes in the truck. When I get to my spot where I park, get my hunting clothes out, put them on, spray down. Uh, I mean, I don't go as nuts as a lot of people, but I mean, I try to take all the basic precautions, spray down real good, and that's about that's about it. Play the wind, you know. Play the wind. And i I don't I don't use an ozonics yet, but that's definitely on my wish list for next year. Gotcha.
0: Gotcha. So in the past, have you, have you been, I mean, is this the biggest buck you've ever killed? Have you been successful? Have you been successful in the past with, with the techniques that you've been using?
1: This was definitely my biggest buck to date. Um, I've killed, I've killed mm, probably five or six deer over 130. I think my biggest one before that. And I actually, The last year I killed before that was, um, October 31st, 2011. So I've eaten my buck tag for the last three years coming into season. And that one there was mid one fifties. Gotcha. So this was definitely the biggest buck that I'd actually hunted, you know, that I knew was there. All right. It's November 8th. Well, let's not get to the 8th yet. Okay. All right. All right. What happened? Okay. I, well, I hunted every day, morning and night from the first through the fifth, no sightings of him, nothing to even get me excited. So I'm starting to feel down and out, you know, questioning what the hell I'm doing. And I get up in the morning on November 6th, give my girlfriend a kiss, tell her I'm leaving to go hunting. And she says, usually she just kind of grunts at me and rolls over, you know, and for for some reason... This morning or that morning, she says, "You know what? I got a feeling. I think you're going to see him today." I was like, oh, I You know, I hope you're right. We'll see." So we go out, or I go out to the stand and take my boat in. I'm sitting up in the stand, and it's about 7:30. Haven't seen any deer yet. Squirrels have been driving me nuts all morning. I think I hear a squirrel behind me, back by the water. I just happened to look back and sure enough he's right there 25 yards coming right at me it's like oh my god you gotta be kidding me that's not that's not where i expect him to come from at all that's probably the worst part worst place that he could have come from so
0: from the water for, from the water yeah so he's is he my so man. is he hugging the was he hugging the lake shore
1: yeah that's exactly what he's doing he he was kinda of just walking right along the lake and you know, the way he was coming, I was gonna get a twenty yard shot at him, but I was worried about my wind because that's the direction my wind was blowing. I was afraid he was gonna catch my wind. So I was like, Oh man, this ain't good So I grabbed my bow and I was it's kind of that spot where you're you don't know if you should go ahead and draw early and wait for him to get in your shooting lane or you know wait till he gets past you but I was afraid if he got past me he'd win me so I just grabbed my bow and stood there waiting and he's walking at a leisurely pace directly at my tree it's like oh my god and I tell you what just talking about it gets me excited
0: <laughs> I was I'm so, getting excited
1: I was so nervous man I my legs were shaking and I'm I'm sitting here thinking how the hell am I going to get a shot off I can't even stand still let alone draw my bow and shoot like I was a nervous wreck I closed my eyes I started taking deep breaths and nothing was helping. I was like oh my god I'm gonna blow this <laughs> I mean if I do get a shot I'm gonna shoot three foot over his back well he kept coming in and he got within 15 yards of my stand and he's still facing me and I'm standing there just waiting for him to turn a little bit. And he starts kind of licking his nose, trying to catch the wind. And I'm like, Oh man, this ain't good. And I bet he stood there for five minutes within 15 yards of my stand. I had no good shot at him. And it was like, he, he realized something wasn't quite right, but he wasn't sure what it was. I don't think he ever actually caught my wind, but Something just didn't feel right to him. So he turned around and went back the way he came from, just kind of trotted off. I was like, man, what do I do now? I was like, I waited until he got over the ridge a little bit out of the way and I gave him a couple soft grunts just to make myself feel better. I didn't think it would actually work. And sure enough, he comes running right back to me. And he took the exact same path as before and he got. So within 20 yards, and I had one limb blocking my shot. And once again, he stood there for two or three minutes, turned around, and went off. And I was I was a nervous wreck after that. I couldn't hardly. <laughs> thank God I had my safety harness on. so I probably would have caught a tree. But I'm sitting there thinking, man, I just blew my one and only opportunity I'm gonna get at the steer because you know you know how rare encounters are on mature deer. It's like, there's no way he's going to come through here again, especially after he came through here and kind of leery of it. You know, he knew something wasn't quite right. It's like, well, at this point, it's November 6th. I'm like, I know he's, he's close. I'm going to sit here and I wasn't planning on sitting all day, but I said, I'm going to sit all day just in case a hot doe happens to bring him back through. So I sat there the rest of the day on the sixth and didn't see him until about ten minutes left of shooting light. I looked out across the field, seeing a big bodied deer out in the middle of the field by himself feeding, no does around. I got my binoculars up and sure enough it was it was him. So that was the sixth. So the seventh I decided you know, I, I still had the right wind for that stand. I didn't think I boogered it up too bad. But I figured that's as good a spot as any. I'll go go in there and see what happens. And it was about mm, pushing 8 o'clock. And, like I said, the cor- there's a corner of the field there, and it's about a 30-yard shot from my stand. And I've seen a doe... Run out of the timber in front of me, and it's kind of thick in there, so you can't really see everything in front of you. But she ran out and she cut the corner of the field, headed away from me. And there was probably about a 140-inch buck dogging her, right behind her, and they cut the corner probably 60, 70 yards. It would have been probably a 60, 70-yard shot from my stand. They cut the corner well you know that's, that's a good sign you know if there's a hot doe in the area well it wasn't five minutes later and I see another deer step out of the timber and it was the buck which I don't think we mentioned I ended up naming the deer Ranger Ranger because my dad ran over the shed with a Ranger gotcha. so so Ranger steps out of the timber and follows the exact same path that the buck and the doe took away from me and sticking to my plan of not calling, I, I mean, I'm thinking, calling's going to do nothing but hurt me anyway. If there's a hot bell that he's trailing, you know, he's not going to come off of her anyway, so uh, I decided just to watch him walk away, and once again, I, I hunted till about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, in that same stand, thinking he might come back through, and he never did, and I ended up Going to another another stand nearby that evening, and didn't see him that evening. So, at this point, you know I know he's around. He's not. I don't believe he's locked down with a doe yet. I'm still hopeful that I might get a shot at him. Okay. So that brings us to the eighth.
0: And you're still okay. taking you're still taking the boat across the lake.
1: Every single time I. I've gone in that
0: area. I took the boat. Whew. That's man. That's that's crazy. That's I. I know a guy up in uh, North Dakota who uses a canoe or a, a boat every once in a while to go hunt on some public land. But uh, yeah, I have a and I have a couple pieces that I would like to either get some hip waders and walk a creek about 500 yards into a stand, or anyway, I'll tell you what, Dan? It's
1: it's crazy. You take you're taking that boat across everything's completely silent and you can hear deer running the timber all around you i mean it just makes you wonder when you walk through the timber how many deer you're actually spooking you know right right
0: but so so anyway i want to i want to start i want to start the morning of the eighth at a particular time all right okay what time did you like, what time did you wake up on the 8th, and what what was the thought that was kind of going through your head?
1: Uh, I woke up at 3.30, just like I did every other morning, and jumped in the shower, got ready to go. I'm thinking, you know, I've had three encounters with this buck in the last 48 hours. You know, I wasn't, I, I don't want to say I was hopeful, but... I was optimistic, you know, I thought there was a good chance that I'd at least see him again. So I get to my stand or not to my stand. I get to where I park the truck to get in the boat and go across. And I'm sitting there in my truck and I just, for some reason I just said a little prayer. asked the good Lord for a little bit of luck that day. So I got my boat, went across, got in my stand. Did Got in quiet, didn't spook any deer. So I'm sitting in my stand, and it's a real heavy fog that morning. I remember because I couldn't couldn't even really see the edge of the field that was 30 yards away to where I could shoot. So I'm just sitting there, just kind of watching the fog slowly start to lift. And it was about seven. I don't remember the exact time. Between 7.30 and 7.45, I look up out in the field, and almost exactly the same as the day before, he cut the corner of the field going away from me. Man, you know, at this point I'm thinking, okay, I need to move my stand. I need to put a stand up in the other corner of the field where he's been heading the next two mornings. And I actually texted one of my buddies because he knew I was after this deer too. And i was like, yeah, i just seen him again, you know, but I think I need to make a move, you know, this evening. And I was like, okay, well, so I'm sitting there just debating, you know, where I'm going to hang my stand, how I'm going to get in there. And I just happened to look up, and here he is walking the edge of the field coming right to me. And he's probably 10 yards from my shooting lane whenever I look up and see him. Wow. And so I was like, I didn't even know what. I couldn't believe it. So at this point, I didn't even have time to think, which was perfect because we've seen what happened whenever I watched him coming in and had to wait on him. I was a nervous wreck. So I just grabbed my bow real slow. Got drawn back, and by the time I drew back, he was standing 35 yards in my shooting lane, and I I did have to stop him. I stopped him. He looked my way. I settled the pin, squeezed the trigger. I watched my arrow bury into him, and I heard that sound, you know, the the sound of broadhead hitting bone. Like I I hope I got that opposite shoulder, you know, because he turned and ran back the way he came. I see my arrow sticking out of him. Yeah. So I knew I didn't get a pass through, and I, I couldn't really tell how much arrow was sticking out of him. I was really worried that I hit that front shoulder and not the back one. I was worried about penetration. So he turns around and runs back into the timber, and I could just barely see the top of his rack as he's running. And I mean, he looked like he was hit hard when he took off but I'm standing on top of the seat of my stand trying to get a glimpse of him. I can just see the top of his rack, and probably about 80 yards from where I shot him, it looked like he went down, but I didn't hear a crash, and it was hard to tell. You know, I didn't know if he just kind of went down in the bottom and skirted out. I wasn't sure. So I felt somewhat confident, but I still had doubt in my mind. Right. So... The first thing I do, and just like every buck I've ever killed in my life, first thing I do is call my dad. And <laughs> I remember he answered the phone. And he's like, Did you get him? It's like, Because I know you wouldn't be calling me at eight in the morning if you didn't shoot like, him. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, yeah, Dad, I got an arrow in him. He's like, well, Was it a good hit? I, was like, I don't know. You know. I didn't get full penetration. I said, It looked like a good hit, but. I said, I'm just not, I can't say 100% sure. And my dad's like, (laughs) it's funny because most of what my dad knows about hunting, he's learned from me. So he's telling me what to do based on what I've told him in the past. (laughs) He's like, like, well, whatever you do, don't push him. Don't push him. i was like, I'm already thinking that, Dad. I'm not going to push him. I'm going to sit here in the stand and not move for three hours. And then we'll see how I feel then, and we might go after him. He's like, well, just. Text me and let me know when you wanna go after him. So I texted everyone else, texted my girlfriend, texted my buddies, and finally about ten thirty, I was like I was just replaying the whole thing over my mind. I'm thinking, Okay, where I know I hit that gear, I either got full penetration and he's dead, or I stuck it in his shoulder and he's not gonna die. So it's not going to hurt to go after him. So I texted my dad and one of my hunting buddies. I was like, hey, let's go look for him. So they met me out there and went to where I had taken the shot or where I had hit him at. And there's no blood anywhere, not even a speck. And there's three of us looking around. We can't find blood anywhere. And we walked probably 20 yards through the field, and I knew where he cut in the timber. So I was like, well, I think he cut in right here. And there was one drop of blood I seen. I was like, okay, well, this is where he went in. So we followed for about five yards before I found my arrow. He'd broken my arrow off, and I got full penetration up to the fletchings. Nice. So at that point, I knew I had a good hit. And once he kicked that arrow out, he was just pouring blood everywhere. I mean, a literally a blind man could have followed that blood trail and we followed it about another 10, 15 yards and we're getting close to where I thought he might have gone down. So I got my binoculars up and started glassing and sure enough, I seen a white belly laying there.
0: So what, as you, when you see him and as you're walking up to him, what, what are you thinking?
1: Honestly, I don't know what to think. I'm, you know, it was so crazy. I got to him. I kept walking up. I was like, man, he keeps looking bigger and bigger the closer I get. But I knew exactly what he was because I have over 200 pictures of him and his shed. Like, I knew what he was. It wasn't a surprise. But for some reason, once I got up on him, I just stood there and stared at him. I didn't say a word. And my dad's like, hey, you all right, bud? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, I still don't know what to, I don't know what to do. Like, everything that I've done up to that point was to kill this deer, and I'd finally done it. It was like, now what do I do? And Dad's like, well, Get your hands on him, you know. And so we took a couple pictures there in the field and got him drugged out. And you know, the the funny thing about the other funny thing about stories. Uh, my girlfriend, she bought me a, she bought me a GoPro for my birthday on October 21st, and she's like, well, she's like, I thought you might like that because I know you're trying to kill a Ranger and like to get him on film. I was like, like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> I had four encounters with this deer, and every time I seen him, I was so like mesmerized. I forgot <laughs> I even had the GoPro and never never recorded any of it. So. But I did record the recovery, which was cool. Cool,
0: cool. So, and uh, I take it you're gonna get him mounted.
1: Yep, he went to the taxidermist that night. Nice, he's getting a shoulder mount on him.
0: So, explain to us what this buck is. I mean, you said he's 168 and change, as far as gross score is concerned. What is what, what's okay. what are his characteristics?
1: He's a mainframe ten point okay he's probably i think he was like sixteen inches inside, so he's not real wide, but his his g let's see his g fours were i think seven inches each, and they kind of shoot forward just like they did every year. He kinda always kept that same frame, and he's got a split split g let's see split g three on his right side i, I think yeah, on his right side yep. yeah. Split G3 on his right side. He's got a kicker off his G2, probably two inches long, on his left side. And then he's got split brows on both sides, and he's kind of got a kind of got a weird little extra brow that comes up on his left side. So I mean, he's got he's got some pretty unique character
0: to him. He's a he's a, yeah he's a beautiful beautiful buck. Well, thank you. Yeah, I I tell you what, congratulations. And um does this does this you know, us talking about it, is it is this getting you excited for next year now?
1: Dude, I'm I've been up walking around for the last ten minutes. Like I can't sit still. I'm excited right now. But yeah, I'm I'm very excited for next year. Cool. Well I may I may never get the harvest another buck like him, but that's okay. Well, that he the, may very well be the
0: buck of my lifetime, and I'm happy with that. That's right. I tell you what, you know, when it comes to when it comes to chasing deer, I think we we can all agree that big bucks are awesome. But it's the stories, you know, even if this buck was 20 or 30 inches smaller, it's the stories that are that we'll be able to tell and share with us for the rest of our lives. Absolutely. So. And, and the history is what yeah. made this buck so special. You know, it right. wasn't the score. I just,
1: I've never had more history with a single deer than I did this one. So, and, you know, I don't want people listening to think that I, I did anything special. I didn't do anything special. I, you know, I hunted him lazily, really, as far as I didn't call, I didn't move around. You know, all my work that I put into this deer was scouting. Okay, so I knew where he was at. So all the hard work was done. I just had to be in the stand at the right time when he came through. You know, and number one thing, you got to be lucky enough to have a deer like this on the property. right? So I'm just beyond thankful,
0: and I'm
1: so happy you asked me to be on the podcast.
0: Yeah, no worries, me. appreciate it. And I tell you, sometimes the hardest thing to do is to not call and to not make a, a, a ruckus in the timber and you know you you know you said you may have approached it a little bit lazily i in my opinion i think it's harder to to lay off of certain you know and know when to be aggressive and know when to um you know lay off right.
1: being aggressive there's a time and a place to be be aggressive and i think you know, if you're after one particular buck, you've got to play a lot more conservative because once that buck knows you're there, the gig's up, and you're done, you know. And I actually had to leave my rattling, rattling antlers at home just so I wouldn't be tempted to call. But, yeah, you're exactly right. It was hard, but it paid off.
0: Well, Levi, I tell you what, thanks a lot for um... – for taking the time out to be on the, on the show and, uh, good luck in 2016.
1: Absolutely, Dan. Thanks for having me. And I hope you have a good breath of your day season as well.
0: And that brings us to an end of our very first, I don't even know what to call it. I guess we'll call it Hunter profile, the Hunter profile. That sounds good. Doesn't it? Or Maybe not. Maybe uh, think of an idea what we can call this little this segment of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Also, be sure to check me out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If you have any questions or or like always any products that you want me to review, uh, go ahead and and send me an email. You know, message me on any one of the social media avenues. And uh, right now, we are going to do a little test, kind of an experiment. And We're going to be doing a bow review over the next month or two months or however long it takes where we go and, when I mean we, I mean you guys, go out, test some some bows, shoot some bows, take notes on what you like about them, what you don't like about them. Long story short, I get you guys on the show for your opinion and uh, we'll see kind of where this leads and hopefully it'll be an unbiased opinion about what people like and don't like about particular bows so that's coming in the future with that said i hope everybody has a great new year and uh wear your damn safety harness